Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always very good, excellent, and wearing his U.S. Grace Force jersey, Father Richard Heilman, my friend. Good to have you. Our guest tonight, Jason Jones, once again, got some really yeah. awesome stuff to talk about. <laughs> but of course, before we get into this battle, we need to need to start with a prayer. So we always turn right. it over to the Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much. And again, thank you to all you people, as we like to say every week who support the U.S. Grace Force, our podcast, the mission, the effort. It is incredible to have so many of you out there. I was just recently at an event, and public event, had 160 or so people there from all over the place, Dallas, Houston, Shreveport, the Ozarks in Arkansas, and so many people come up and just, it's, and it's so humbling to hear. They're very excited about what the U.S. Grace Force podcast is doing. And again, we're humbled by that. We appreciate that. It's an honor to be able to do this work. So thank you all so much for that, your encouragement, your support. If you want to support this work that we do through any kind of financial means, you can help us out through Patreon. Just click the link in the description below. And we ask you to pray about it. Go on out and take a look and maybe throw a few uh, pennies our way or more. That helps us get this message out to as many people as possible, which we all need to be trying to do in whatever way God calls us. With the amount of time that we have, we've got to be active. And we got to be active at home and abroad. And that's what the title of tonight's episode is. We got Jason Jones with us, good friend, good brother. He's been, been a guest many times on the US Christmas podcast and Catholic action, home and abroad. This is really illustrated with a lot of the work that you do, Jason. Thanks for coming on again. Rather good to have you once again on the Grace First podcast. How you been? I've been great. And it's great to see you guys. I'm wearing a jersey too. Uh, for the audience, uh, very nice. Father Heilman and Mr. Barry were making fun of my sweater vest that I had on. <laughs> they they said I looked like Mr. Rogers, so I had. You know, I started singing "Welcome to My Neighborhood." So, yeah. <laughs> it's so I, I thought I'd put on a, a masculine, manly jersey, and I'm going to become increasingly more masculine. It's going to be unbelievable as the show progresses. Because <laughs> that's what well, that's the effect we have on our guests, right? Yes, they're yeah, going to be mad us up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Our goal is to destroy the effeminate out right. there. Right. Yeah. Anything that, that undercuts masculinity, yeah. it's gone. Rooted it has out. No place I, here. I, I put my I didn't Root. even have my sweater vest here. I was going to show the good folks. <laughs> I thought it was nice. I was trying to look like it a was gentleman. very nice. Yes. It was nice. <laughs> you looked very intellectual. And you came on with an English accent, which I thought no. was particularly interesting. You know, yeah, well, well done. Yeah. And the one thing that you said at the beginning, I thought was really good was it doesn't matter whether you're introvert or extrovert. And you could even say it doesn't matter what other distractions or things that are going on. It doesn't change the responsibility that we have. And the responsibility that we have is, you know, God did not create us to be islands. He created us to work together as the body of Christ, the toes, the ears, the eyes, we all play different roles, but we're the body of Christ. You know, and you know, what, what, what excuse do we have to, to avoid that responsibility, to you know, sidestep that responsibility, because that that is really what has driven me. Because I'm like you, I, I mean, my little office here, it's not very big, and I, I'm perfectly content with reading and just praying and hanging with my family and my my grandkids coming over. There's I can hear three of them in the next room right now as we record this. You know, I, I'm perfectly content with that. You know, and, and uh, you know, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that I don't have to do other things. 
Mm-hmm. And I like what you said. It doesn't matter what your scenario. It doesn't avoid our response. It doesn't doesn't negate our responsibility. Yeah, the one thing that gets me angry when people say this to me, Jason, you are blessed with the gift of fundraising. I'm horrible at it. I just do it. <laughs> They'll say, oh, you know, you're a gifted writer. I have dyslexia. Was last in my class out of 565 kids. And then I dropped out of high school the day I turned 17 and joined the Army. I graduated college because I heavily used the language lab. Yeah. where I found out I had dyslexia and they had to really help me. I have face blindness. Google it. It's a thing. It's a horrible thing. I, do, I wouldn't recognize you guys if I saw you at a grocery store. Mm. I walk through the world not being able to recognize people by their face. I'm involved in politics. I have dyslexia and I'm a writer. I'm an introvert and I'm a public speaker and an act- activist. Okay, so, you know, people go, you're good at fundraising. You know, you think face blindness helps fundraising? No, no. So, yeah, but none of these things matter. Again, right. to me, these are stumbling blocks that become stepping stones because they give right. us humility. Yeah. And people say, oh, you love to travel. I get in, like, severe depression every time I leave my family, which is, like, every yeah. week. Yeah. Right? It's horrible. But it's, it's, it's a blessing to do my apostolate. You know, it's like Mother Teresa, we know through her diaries, had a dark night of the soul that lasted half a century. Well, she had an apostle at suffering, serving those who suffered greatly. People go, oh, she loves doing that. She, you know, she loves helping uh, abandoned orphan children in the gutters get maggots out of their flesh. She just loves it. No, obviously, it's devastating to do that. But that's, I, I, in my retreat, you know, so much goes through your mind at a silent retreat. And um, the priest who was directing the retreat said, wars are won by weary soldiers. And the whole retreat, he ended the retreat with this. The whole retreat, I was thinking that I picked the whole wrong path for my life. <laughs> I'm so weary. This is what I was thinking the whole time. I, I, I was in Hawaii 25 years ago working as a school teacher and a bouncer at a bar while I was volunteering doing pro-life work, eating fresh mangoes from my tree, swimming in the ocean every day. Could I have just continued on that route? Have I been going the wrong way? I'm so weary. What did I do? This kept going through my mind. And then the, the retreat director ends with, wars are won by weary soldiers. And it just came flooding in. You know, I played some role in the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I've worked on every presidential campaign in my adult life, some at a very senior level. I've made movies like Bellow. Thousands of babies were born because we just know of. And I, all that came in. I said, okay, I'm a weary soldier. I should be weary. That's, that's what it is to be a soldier. It's to be weary. And, okay, um, I, need to, I need to chime in. Yeah, yeah. Because we need to make it three for three. Okay. I'm an introvert too. <laughs> and uh, listen, I love people. Mm-hmm. And I love working with people, okay? And I, I am energized by that. But let's take Sunday morning, you know. I have my masses on Sunday morning. I come back and I collapse, okay? I am exhausted. But it's kind of like you just spend yourself at, d- during that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad we're on this topic because I think uh, a, a lot of people might say, well, that's fine for you, Jason, Doug, Father Rick. Because you're so extroverted, and God bless you that he made you that way, so that you're better equipped to be able to help people. And I've always um, cringed at that uh, excuse for not participating. Jason, I'm listening to everything that you're doing, 
and I'm exhausted listening to it, but it's amazing. You see need and you take care of it. It's like, why not take care of it? Imagine a world like that where everybody did that. Okay. Where, where you saw need, of mm. course you take care of it. But I think we do live in our humanity as finding all kinds of reasons why that's not, for, that might be for you, but it's not for me. Okay. We excuse ourselves out of it. I probably had fault with that, uh, with, with things my, myself, but I think, you know, all three of us are, are trying to uh, engage the battle, uh, be as, uh, as, uh, as dynamic and, and vibrant missionaries as we can. And, and all three of us are introverts, you know, so, so there. Oh, you said something really profound. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to remember forever. You said you love people, but you, you get back and exhausted. So as you said yeah. that, like I, if I go to a Catholic yeah. conference and there's a banquet yeah. every time I'm the last person to leave <laughs> because I love people. Yes. But they don't see that I'm lying in bed for 48 hours. So exhausted. I can't move. I know. Um, yeah. I'm basically like somebody that's lactose intolerant, yeah. but if you give me a gallon of chocolate milk, I'm gonna drink the whole thing. Oh yeah, You're like, that guy loves milk. Yeah, I love it. See, yeah. is where I am for the next two days. Okay, right? Yeah, and, right. Yeah. So yeah. that's how it, I am with people. That's I'm glad you put it that way because I would. And, and, and what it does too is it, it's a heart check for all of us. Okay, you're, you're using introvert, but do you have to look at do I love people? Right. Yeah. And we're called to love God. And what flows from that is love of our neighbor. And so and we gotta love our neighbor. We just gotta. That's that's our call as Christians. So anyway, uh I was I I don't know, Doug, you follow me on social media. I posted the other day. Do the other people at airports find me as amazing to look at as I find them? You know, <laughs> because uh, and a lot of people, people watch her, know, right? Yeah. But no, that hurt my feelings. So, um, <laughs> and then they said, yes. And that hurt my feelings too. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I go and I do this thing where I walk, when I travel, where I look at people and I am conscious that I'm looking at a creature made in the image of God. And you know, when you're surrounded by thousands of these creatures made in the image of God, I can get in into the same way, a state of ecstasy, you know, yeah. where. I'm in a crowd of these human beings and I'm almost in a state of ecstasy being aware of how amazing these creatures are. Yes. And it's, it's, um, so it's not that we don't love people. I love people. They're fascinating. They're beautiful. There's, you know, I, you can go on, I tell people, you go on a rocket ship, any direction for all eternity, you're going to find nothing as mesmerizing as the guy living next door to you. Right. Um, human beings are mesmerizing, but just the reality is that there is something about some of us who, you get around people and you get energized. And maybe it's because we love them so much and we're giving so yeah. much of ourselves. Maybe introverts are people who are so mindful yeah. of what that other person is, that you're giving all your energy that you just exhaust. I, like, I got to tell you a quick story because it just happened today. And this is so me. Is uh, My phone line went down. It's been down for a few days. They, they sent a guy out today. And uh, now he's my best friend. And he's going to be coming to our church regularly. And, you know, we hit it, we hit it off. And mm -hmm. why? Because the guy is awesome. And, you know, and, and I worked at uh, building a quick relationship and, and uh, we're best friends all of a sudden. I love people and, and I, and I want to see them all to go to heaven. 
And again, that's different than being an introvert, okay? You can love people and be an introvert. Is I think the moral of the story of what we're talking about right yeah, sorry, as I'm talking uh, to you guys. That, yeah, and you're going to go home, and you're going to take a long, you're going to take a long, yeah, you, you're going to take a long nap afterwards, but but in the moment, I'm totally for you. I, I you know, I want, I want to give myself completely for you, and that's maybe maybe why we are exhausted, because we're just giving it all away, but, uh, you know, that, and that's, it's so cool that all three of us admitted we're introverts. Yeah, so. and it's good for people to hear that, right? Just yeah. if you feel called to the priesthood, you know, like, oh, but I'm an introvert, so what? Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. So what? Yeah, yeah, and I think you know what, what you described, Jason. I think you know a lot of you know people out there in the audience who have been involved in some sort of ministry or, or you know apostolic work um, feel the same way. You described this exhaustion, this tired. You're just tired, and and things start getting to you. And I've had people come up and say, "Oh, you know what? You got the whole battle ready or the BR coalition. You know, helping people be prepared and ready. That's great. That's awesome. You know and and I say, yeah, well, you know, when I talk about, and I've done this in many, many parishes, many conferences, I've said, you know, we all reach that point where we're literally or figuratively sitting on the edge of the bed and literally or figuratively got our face buried in our hands. Yeah. And our prayer is not this perfect lofty, you know, St. John Vianney image of prayer. It's that prayer of, Lord, what is going on? What, what next? What do I do? I don't understand. I just, yeah. ah, you know, Lord, are you there? Where are you here? Where are you in this? How can you, I don't know. I, I just, ah, and I, I just want to say to people that, yeah, that's what this feels like a lot. You know, you know, you're, you're watching the news, you're paying attention to world events. You're trying to evangelize. You're trying to get involved in projects that will help turn the tide, you know, get people on the beach or off the beach into the game, into the fight. And you just start thinking, I, I just, I, and you feel beat up, you feel tired, you feel exhausted. And I love that statement you made, Jason. I hope the audience really takes it to heart. Weary soldiers win, win the battles, win the wars. I mean, you know, there, there's a cartoon out there, the Guardians of Gahul. It's a cartoon about owls, okay? And my, my kids watched it years ago. So it's, it's an animation. It's fun. And there's this one owl, and I don't even remember the names, but my kids, you know, they wouldn't know this. Maybe they're all adults, but they remembered it because they liked it. And he's the hero that they tell stories about. And so this young owl who's all excited, he's a young little, little, little whippersnapper, and he's ready to get into it. And he, one day he meets this owl, and this owl is kind of limping, and he's got a scar across the eye. One of his eyes doesn't even open all the way. And he's just beat up. He's got feathers that are permanently distorted now. And when he finds out that this owl is that hero, the owl says to him, what did you think I would look like? <laughs> that is awesome. This is, this is what you look like when you've been in battle. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Awesome. You're beat up, you're tired, you're scarred, you're wounded. Yep. But what makes you a hero is, and we can say as Catholics, by God's grace, you continue to persevere. You don't quit, even though you're limping and you're crawling and you're you're blinded in one eye, but you're still going. I mean, Jason, you're a former soldier. Why do they give the Medal of Honor out? To, to soldiers, the 4,000 or so, the only out of the millions of soldiers we've had over the years in the U.S. military, only about 4,000 some, you know, medal of, medals of honor have been given out. And it's for those who above and beyond in the face of the most overwhelming odds continue to fight on. 
And, and and I just think that that speaks to it. So I love that you said that, Jason. And I love that you're admitting, as I'm admitting, and Father is. I mean, there's exhaustion in this work, and I know our audience has got to be feeling it too. And I just think it's a good thing to sometimes get out. And we didn't even plan that the show would go this direction. But if anybody else out there is feeling it, you're not alone. You're, you're not alone. But just keep moving forward, Jason. Well, Catholic action. Oh. I mean, yeah. And and again, I I think. Some people got it in their bones that, okay, Catholic action is for other people because of A, B, and C. Yeah. No, I mean, you're looking at three introverts that are, you know, exhausted a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> but are trying our best to to get in the game, not stand and not sit on the bench. You know, we got to be careful the way we, we treat our faith. Some people, I think, and I've been to follow this too, we treat it like a good good luck charm. So I yep. better go to church <clears throat> and I better do this because I might have bad luck if I don't. Where's the intimacy in that? Where you know, where's the love? It, it, when when you treat when when you do things, uh, or else you might you might get punished if you don't. Uh, can you speak to that, Father? Yeah, I think that. Uh, well, there's several things that you said that I think were really important. I think that when we work with people, one of the things that we stress over and over again is that liberation is not about getting demons out of your life liberation is about union with god yes ultimately and this is the this is the um kyle likes to call it reconciliation with god because in a sense now people can be in the state of grace and still be diabolically influenced but that uh, affliction in our apparent life that 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 part of that life needs to be reconciled to God. God needs to be fully in that part of the life. And the way we do that is gets the demons out, obviously. But the point is, is that it's really about union with God, which is the key thing. I think that uh, there's a, a fundamental misunderstanding that a lot of people have, even when they come to us, and even among some of the best of Catholics, which I think is kind of gets to what you're saying, which is this. Peace is not the absence of external battle or the, the absence of external attack. That's not what peace is. Peace, as St. Augustine uh, defined it as, the tranquility of order. And in human beings, that natural law that God put in us means that all the inclinations of the natural law in the various faculties are all properly ordered mm. to the ends to which they were designed. And ultimately, all those faculties have God as their remote end. And so in the end, true peace comes. At, the closer you get to God, the more you actually have that peace. And and in the process, you want to clear out this other these external distractions and, the, and diabolic influences, etc. But if you're working on getting closer to God and ordering your faculties, because that's what we see with people as they get through the end of the protocol, they're much more orderly internally. Yeah. And so, as a result of that, they, even the, even the people, not necessarily during the times in what uh, we call crisis where the demons are attacking them, but outside of that. The, the level of peace that these people have because their life has become rightly ordered to God. And this means Amen. Two thi this means two things. It means don't come to an exorcist or even to another priest thinking that he needs to get rid of these problems and then you'll be okay. No, that's not what the issue is. The issue is you need to get closer to God and these other things will either go away on their own or they'll become the means of getting even closer to him. Nice. One of the two. There is a principle yep. and this is what people tend to deny. The principle is the cause is always some way in the effect. If people's externals are disordered, it's a sign of internal disorder. Mm. You can't separate those two. And the point, I mean, obviously, sometimes you can be like, 
you can have women who are extremely orderly themselves internally, et cetera, but then they got six kids and the kids are creating mayhem and that there's a little <laughs> bit of a disorder. But right. then the, the, she, her natural tendencies to start picking things up, et cetera. The point being is, is that people who are slobs in their external life, that's just an indicator that there's some lack of discipline internally. And so one of the ways that people can actually start getting a little bit of semblance of just order from their externals is I think a couple of things. One is just put your things in order, you know, clean your room, clean your house, get these things straightened out, get rid of all. Get, I always tell everybody happiness is an empty email box. But um, so, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the other part of it is, um, you know, a person who is just naturally recollected and really working on their interior discipline themselves will just naturally start straightening those things out. So mm -hmm. they'll find that, that comes, but the other thing is too is I think one of the things that's contributing a lot to the chaos is just one of the things we do in the protocols we put people on a media fast. We tell them no computers, no cell phones, no this, no that for the thirty days. And part of the reason we do that is because we, you got to detoxify people. But people spend so much time on that you know, that they're literally committing the sin of idleness. The fact that people will watch hours of videos all night long and they think there's nothing wrong with that. Well, you're just sitting there idle. What did you really gain from any of it? Right. You know, right. and so, but but also, it's um, that even these electronic things, even though we can use them as instruments, and there is a right order in relationship to that, they can cause external disorder just by the constant attention they're right. dragging us this way and that. And so, part of your external is getting that straightened out. Is not just this, the items that you have around you, but also the electronic stuff, making sure that's in order as well. Right. I was thinking about, you know, order, uh, and here's the word I'll, I'll put in that, that gets us to order is the right prioritizing is yeah. what I was thinking about when you, when you <laughs> talked about, you know, the electronics and all that, uh, it, it, they're not necessarily evil, evil in and of themselves, but if they take up all of our time, if they have the highest priority at the exclusion of, of right. everything that's, that's, uh, necessary and good in our lives. Right. Father. Yeah, that's true. You know, one time I was talking to this guy and I said, well, what do you do in the evenings to decompress? He says, oh, I spend a couple of hours watching videos on YouTube. So I said, do you do that every night? Yeah. I said, you do realize you're spending 730 hours a year watching videos. Wow. I said, why don't you just read some light literature or something, read some light, at least ennoble yourself in that way. And so he started doing it, of course, but it's, I think that that's, yeah, that's, that's true. It's a matter of prioritizing. Where's your priorities? But, I, but part of the discipline spiritually can actually be, okay, I'm going to be disciplined about these things because right. electronic devices require an inordinate amount, I mean, a very strong amount of discipline right. in order to use them in a, right, a perfectly rightly ordered and virtuous right. manner. But so you got that. But then also, you know, people can start developing that interior discipline. I'm going to create order in my exterior things because Order in reality gives glory to God, right? right? And, and they can't be obsessive about it, but it, they can at least make sure that there's a certain order so that they're giving glory to God. And that itself will help their interior discipline. Everyone would agree that the world is in a bad way. And, right. it's, and it's spiraling down very rapidly. <laughs> that also means that the spiritual warfare is, is continually increasing. Right. And it means that we don't live in a time where people can be undisciplined and expect to have an easy life. It's right. just not, we don't live in those times. Right. It, it, as things get harder, they're going to have to develop discipline 
if for no other reason than to just keep their sanity on one level, right. but, but, but be able to maintain their, um, their uh, focus on God and being able to lead a good Catholic life. It's just going to have to become more and more disciplined just yeah. to get through what's, what's coming. I think. Yeah. Father Ripperger, we, um, my, we, for our TV show for EWTN, I do battle ready. Uh, the name of the show battle ready. We interviewed uh, both Jesse Romero and Dan Schneider. And I know they, they both work with you on different things. Yeah. And Dan brought up this very point about prayer and discipline. I'd like if you could emphasize this because you've mentioned it already and I really would love the audience to hear it because when Dan said it, and I've heard this before, but when Dan said it so directly in the interview, it, it really struck me and has really affected me in a, in, a, in a powerful way. I've always believed the importance of discipline, but he made this statement to, these, to, the, to this effect, words to this effect, that the demons despise and are deeply affected by the prayers, but they also despise and are deeply impacted by, by the discipline. That it isn't, right. I mean, discipline, I've always said, oh, it's good to be disciplined. But he was saying it as if when you're disciplined, the demons have a very, very hard time dealing with you because your free will has chosen to live a disciplined life. And that alone makes it difficult when it's, when it's brought into spirituality and so forth. That alone makes it difficult. And then you made mention earlier about people not wanting to get up at 6 a.m., because I don't pray the angels because it's and that kind of shows a certain type of, un, of lack of discipline. Can you speak to the power, really the power of just discipline in and of itself being uh, when it's done for the right reasons to order things correctly and all being a weapon that can be used. Cause that's really what father Heilman's talking about here. That's what Libra Christopher is. Yeah. It's all about the power of discipline itself. Yeah. There's actually two aspects to it. The first is um, the fact that when you're disciplined, the demons don't want to attack you and they because of the fact that they know because of the discipline you they're likely to take a pretty bad beating in the process because you're going to buckle up and you're going to do what you have to do in order to get the job done because that's what someone who's disciplined it does mm -hmm. but it also means that um you're going to have the virtues that will are well, that'll go along with that which they find just the very fact that because they let's put it this way they love easy prey they love people who just acquiesce and people who don't who fight because they have this discipline they just really find that annoying they find it abhorrent because it's contrary to what they want there's a second part to it too and this is something that saint thomas says he says when an action is clothed in virtue and by that he means that the person is performing the action from the point of having virtue in the faculty that's executing the action. It said that it is done with greater ease. It's actually more pleasing to God because it has greater right order. And that in the end, it's actually more beautiful because it's actually, that's the way the thing is supposed to be structured and designed. And so when, when we're disciplined, it means we have a certain level of virtue. And then as a result of that, the demons find just coming up against the manifestation of that virtue in your battle with them, just absolutely abhorrent. And so it's 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 those two kind of kind of things that kind of come together in combination. And um, just so I can put in uh, a, another plug for Father's book, I think one of the aspects of it is that um, the uh, by doing this book, you know, I mentioned that things are going to get harder and they're going to get more difficult. But at least, but if they start doing what's in Father's book and they're doing it consistently. As things get worse, it will become easier for them to actually deal mm. with it because they'll have the virtue, they'll have the discipline in order to deal with these things as they come. Can this I use reminds a quick me analogy? one of the images I use with the uh, introduction to the journal is 
the image of uh, Peter walking on water. And he's got it. He's locked in to the face of, of, of our Lord. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he decides, nope, I'm going to uh, pay attention to the storm. And he, be he begins to sink. And that's the lesson that, that I think that's what you were just talking about, Father, is, is that uh, we're, we're going to face challenges in our life still. But we're going to have right. the peace of knowing Jesus is right there with us, and, and we'll, we'll uh, get through this. Yeah, it makes me think of Father John Harden. You know, before he passed away, he made the statement that um, this was around the year 2000. I think he died around 2000, give or take, I'm not mistaken. But he said that, uh, Father John Harden, that ordinary Catholics will not survive these times. Only heroic Catholics will. Words to that yeah. effect. Sounds like that's what you're saying, Father Ripperger. And along those lines, I know before we begin the the, the podcast tonight, you were talking uh, a little bit about to Father and I about that you're seeing just good Catholics out there, faithful Catholics who are feeling an increase of of attack. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think there's a lot of good Catholics out there who watch the program. They're trying to be faithful. They're going. They're receiving the sacraments. They're striving for holiness, and yet we just feel like we're getting you know, just pummeled left and right. You know, it's discouragement or it's um, all of a sudden I get this wave of, ah, I can't do it. I'm, I'm afraid. Whatever um, it might be, or families are falling apart. Speak to that if you could a little. Uh, you, when you said, do you want to speak to it? I almost said no. But okay. <laughs> oh, it's up to you. You're the guest tonight. <laughs> no, actually, yeah. What we're, what we're starting to notice, it's a phenomenon that we've seen in about the last six months, maybe a little bit more, is that Good, faithful Catholic, Catholics who are going to Mass on a regular basis, who are going to confession on a regular basis, they're, they're saying their prayers, they're even disciplined to a large degree, they're actually growing in holiness, they're ascending the levels of prayers, etc., are noticing a drastic ramp up in attacks and um, stuff that we would normally not see among people that are leading, you know, pretty good holy lives, you know, you just didn't see it too often. Um, and the, the types of things that they're actually, the types of attacks that you're dealing with. And so it, I think that things are ramping up spiritually. Um, I think some of it is, as Father and I have talked about, is the demons are getting more bold and audacious in all of this. And they're just, you know, and part of it is because is I still think that they're, they're, um, they know their time is short and it's, right. it's, it's coming. Um, it doesn't mean that we're not about to go through a horrific thing. I told, I've been telling people that watch the prior time I was with you that, yeah, I said that he said the time is short, but it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But that being said, um, I think that even what I've noticed is, is that even God is allowing the attacks in these people's lives because he wants yet another level of discipline or another level of sacrifice or another level of prayer from them that they wouldn't necessarily have to do if they weren't under these kinds of attacks the other thing is, is i've mentioned um uh and in fact it was right there at your parish father um, when i gave that conference i made the observation that demons are in people's lives because god wants to use them as instruments of our sanctification right. and so god's the levels of spiritual warfare i'll warfare. never forget that talk father yeah so yeah. that that the um that is still true here even it's though true. The, the heroes are being called to be even more heroic. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yep. And so in we, God, God in people's spiritual life doesn't stop. He doesn't right. let you rest. He constantly is dragging you right. to a higher level of yep. perfection. And that just requires, again, more discipline, more sacrifice, and more prayer. Yep. Yeah. Can, I, can I make an analogy on this? It, it, yeah. it, very, it seems to me, Father, you tell me if I'm on the money or wrong on this, if I'm all you know, thinking wacky here. 
it seems to me a lot like the idea of just physical conditioning. You can do the general kind of get in good shape. But when yeah. you start stepping into, like when I competed in powerlifting years ago, you know, your, your sets and repetitions, you're moving a lot of weight, but it's harder. You're sore, but you're yeah. conditioning yourself to handle it and or, or relate it to Navy SEAL or Green Beret training yes. where general foot soldier, good guys, good men, women out there ready to go. But when you take it to the level of special operations, right. now you're really put through the mill, but you're intensifying yeah. and increasing right. in your conditioning and your training. And you're becoming that much better prepared to handle whatever mission you might get thrown into, which could just be, you know, off the charts, challenging, but you're ready for it. Is similar, you think, in those analogies? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's exactly what it is. And, you know, even as an exorcist, I noticed this 15 years ago when I first started about it. You know, I was saying the office consistently and I was doing my prayers, etc. Um, and but I wanted to increase my prayer life. Um, in fact, I told God, you don't make me a man of prayer. About two months after I started doing exorcism work, I said to him, this isn't what exactly I had in mind. <laughs> but uh, but the uh, but the thing is, is that um, and even now, even though the level of attacks, because we have a lot of prayer that keeps a lot of that at bay and stuff. I still get attacked from time to time in specific cases in very specific ways. Now, God allows it for two reasons. One is to reveal to me the nature of attack or the nature of this demon. And so we make a lot of headway a lot of times when those things happen. Mm. Um, the second part of it is, too, is um, it helps me to develop virtue, even where I'm at. Even though I pray three to four hours a day, there's always some area of my spiritual life that he's going to continue perfecting and working on. And so it's the same thing here. I think that, you know, like you said, to become a special ops. In fact, just before you said that, that was the analogy that was running through my mind. Mm. You can be a good soldier and you have to be in a certain level of shape. But if you're going to be like, you know, a Navy SEAL or something like that, you've got, or a Marine, you've got to be on another level. Mm. Mm -hmm. yep. so, but unfortunately, we are now entering into a form of spiritual warfare, which is analogous to, you know, severe combat zone type of stuff that requires special ops just to survive yep. and get through it. Could you talk a little bit about um, where you see our society is now, where you see it going? Uh, I know that's a very broad question and there's a lot that could be said, but in the last program we had with you, you, you focused on one of the key things you focused on was the demon saying that he's about to take away my power. Yeah. Um, in a previous podcast that we had with you, you talked about, the reaction of the demons lately has been like a demon that you see in an exorcism who knows he's about to get kicked out. And right. there's this stomping of a, of a juvenile delinquent yep. that's just throwing a tantrum. Right. But we're seeing now as we record this, this saber rattling and threat of war between Russia and the Ukraine. We see China flying into the Taiwanese airspace. We see right. all these types of things happening on that level. Plus, we see still mask mandates. Right at this moment, there are over 50,000 truckers, they say, protesting what's going on yeah. in Canada. I mean, all these different right. things unfolding. Where do you see where we are now and where we're going as a whole, as a nation, as a world? Um, yeah, I, I think that um, there's two parts to it that I see. One is that the disorders, you know, every time you think that you've seen the bottom of what people can do, mm. someone comes up with a new low. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. And I, I don't think we've even begun to see the bottom of this. I mean, I think that we're going to see that there's two things. I think we're going to see the level of moral depravity drastically increase um, as, it, as it has been. I think we're also going to see um, the mental illness drastically increase, which it's 
the, the number of people in our culture that I think have become mentally ill because they're, you know, I, they call it uh, mass psychosis, um, yeah. you know, and, you know, the uh, and formation. And there's a certain sense in which I think I, I sometimes wonder if the term psychosis isn't a little strong, but I think that that's true, that the people because people have become completely disconnected from reality. Yeah. And so I think it's just going to continue to get worse. I think the stuff that we're going to see on. TV and that type of thing is going to become even more abominable. I think it's going to become even more disordered because these people can't help themselves, right? So there's that. I think that you're going to start to see that descent. As that happens, the demons are going to become more powerful. The geopolitical situation, I agree with you, is going to start to unravel because as Fulton Sheen used to always say um, that, you know, well, well, it's right in scripture, the wages of sin is death. But also the wages of sin is war. So this is one of the, which Fulton Sheen used to talk about, which I think is, we're, we're heading to something like that. Mm. Um, it, and I think it's going to come rather quickly. On a spiritual level, on an ecclesiastical level, as I mentioned, I think that the, the diabolic stuff is going to really increase. And so people are going to have to be more disciplined just to have any semblance of normalcy of their interior life and sanity. But, uh, and I don't mean to paint a really bad picture of this, um, one of the things that just keeps coming to me over and over again as I see things happening within the church um, and even in the civil authority, but within the churches, I think we're coming to a time. And I said this um, about I think I might have mentioned this maybe here, but maybe I didn't. About five years ago, I told people this was before COVID. I said, if the lay people don't stop receiving communion in the state of mortal sin. God's going to retract their regular access to the sacraments. Now, I had no, that was wow. just by way of conclusion. Wow. This is how he's always behaved mm. in the past. You keep abusing right. something and eventually it takes it away. Sure. So that's wow. what happened. But now I think the next thing coming down the pipe is people are going to have a hard time having regular access to a priest. Mm. I think that's coming. It will be short lived. I don't think it's going to be that long, but I think we could be coming to something like that. Oh. And so, I think that, and that's why spiritually, um, you know, and I, I don't mean to be chicken little and say the the the, uh, the sky is falling. That people really do need to spiritually get where they need to be in discipline, in prayer, in the meditation, in the sacramental life, the Catholic life, to to basically deal with what's coming. Because at least if you look at the horizon, all the worst possible things that could happen to us could be on that horizon. I'm not saying it is. It's ultimately up to God to determine the form in which he's going to um, to chastise us. But mm-hmm. we just have to be willing to see where that's going, what we have to do to prepare for it spiritually more so than any other way. And I've been saying, too, in God's permissive will, uh, part of what's going on here, maybe most of it, is that he's allowing this because we were weak. That's and right. it's almost forcing mm-hmm. our hand to get strong. And we're realizing exactly. this is life is a classroom. We we're, we learned a, a valid lesson. We we got soft. We got weak. I, I was saying too. You know, we got to be careful not to treat our religion like it's a good luck charm. You know, so so that I better go to mass or or bad things might happen. I might get bad. I might get uh, right. bad luck. You know, where's the intimacy in that? You know, where where's the desire to want to please God in all things in that? So, yeah, it's using God as an end, a means, not an end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's who, who he's who supposed to. You know, this all reminds me, and not to make light of it, but this reminds me of the joke about the guy that's sitting in the boat. And he's throwing dynamite over the side of the boat. And a Raymond Fish guy comes up because the guy's collecting the fish as the fish come up from being stunned. Yeah, yeah. 
And the and the uh, the gaming fish guy says, "Hey, you can't be doing that. You can't be fishing that manner." So the guy lands, lights a stick of dynamite and hands it to the gaming fish guy. Says, "Are you going to talk? Are you going to fish?" So <laughs> you know that's where we're at in the spiritual life. You know, it, it, as things are coming up, we can't just sit there. We're going right. to have to do something. And my other very good, long time best friend on the planet type friend, Tom Sullivan. He's our guest tonight. Tom and I go way back, back when I actually had some hair, and Tom's hair was not that color. <laughs> Again, you had that background of ministry work for like 300 years or so. You've been doing this <laughs> Yeah. You know? And you yeah, and 30, Father- Over 30 years now, yeah. Yeah, over 30 years. And you and Father, Father's got the combat rosary, you got the warrior's rosary. I have both of them. I love them both. I love what, just the fact that both of you have been inspired to take the rosary- and present it in a way that says this is a it's a spiritual weapon it is yeah. it is also something that is not just for grandma i grew up thinking that the rosary was for old ladies and funerals and i take that quote from uh from um, someone who wrote a book on it um about that he grew up thinking old ladies and funerals that's the only time he ever heard the rosary prayed and uh and so i was the same way you know, my mom would sit on the patio in the summertime praying her rosary, and it was always the nice light-colored beads, the pink beads, the light blue beads, and it just didn't resonate with me as something that was masculine or strong. And as the years went by, obviously, we've got to go deeper than that. We can't let that be what stops us. But when you guys both, Father, you and, and Tom, designed these, had to be inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They're not over the top. They're not crazy. They're just they're simple, but they're powerful, and they really speak to something the heart of what the rosary is all about. So again, for the audience to know, yes, we're going to be addressing this article that came out in the Atlantic that attacks the rosary. And I believe there are Marxist marks all over this, red flags of trying to make association of words where they're using terms like Christian nationalist, Christian national, and, and really applying that in a way that says it's bad to pray the rosary. It's a sign of extremism. And these are terms that are being thrown about all over the place now. Anybody that's strong, Christian, moral, try to stand their ground, hold their ground, you're extreme. This is what they're saying over and over. We don't want to get into their language. We don't want to play their word games, but we do have to address it to help the audience understand. We can't give into this stuff. But we also just want to, don't want to throw it by the wayside and think that ah, it's not a big deal. It's just some goofball who's writing this kind of stuff. No, this can lead to some danger, and we want to break that down a bit here. But Tom, can you get in a little bit to uh, to help us understand more? I mean, you've got information, in history of the rosary. You've written about the rosary, talked about it extensively. You've been devoted to it for many, many years. Give the audience a little more depth of the history of the rosary and just kind of how it comes to to be the the way we have it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that amazed me actually. The research I was doing when I was developing the Warriors Rosary, I wanted to get a big picture understanding. Uh, because I was, I didn't know I was so attracted to praying the rosary. I just loved, you know, praying the rosary and praying through the mysteries and feel like I was participating in the, in the life of Jesus and Mary. And uh, so I started doing research into it and I discovered that actually, you know, and I said to you, Doug, earlier when, when we were talking about the article, I said, you know, what took him so long? You know, what took him so long to figure this out? You know, the rosary has been a weapon for, for, for as long as it's been around and longer. I mean, you go back to to its origin. Well, I trace it back, and I call it the origins. Back to uh, the Colosseum and the Nero circuses back in the day when Christians were being martyred, uh, they would dress them up and in, in to mock them. Uh, they're going to send them out to meet their king, Christ their king, and they would dress them up in a garment, a white garment. They'd put a crown of roses on their head. They'd call it a rosarium. 
Uh, and they would send them out to be devoured uh, by the lions and stuff in the in entertainment of the Romans. And uh, those waiting to be martyred, those who were up next, uh, they would have to go out and clean that up. And so one of the first things that they would do is they would grab the rosarium and they would pray with it because they knew they now had a relic of a, of a martyr who now went to heaven. Uh, and they would pray one rosary or sorry, one rose, one prayer, one rose, one prayer. And that's how they would pray with that. And that kind of started a custom. And by the fourth century now, uh, the Desert Fathers began using that concept of counting prayers to keep track of the 150 Psalms. And then uh, by the seventh century in England, uh, churches there were already creating, uh, you know, prayer strings for counting uh, prayers for the faithful. And then by the 13th century, we ended up with St. Dominic uh, with the rosary as we have it today. Uh, Father uh, um, Donald Calloway uh, refers to the, the uh, metamorphosis of the rosary uh, in the terms of a blacksmith, he calls God the divine blacksmith, fashioning his weapon of the rosary for spiritual warfare mm. over the history of 1300 years before it finally became what it is today. Uh, and the rosary has been in this form, you know, for the last, what, uh, uh, you know, 900 years, 1000 years, you know. And this particular episode, we brought Jason Jones on. Jason is in the film, doomed to repeat it. Actually, all three of us are in the film, doomed to repeat it. Um, I think back, Jason, I think we interviewed you September last year. So it's been, we're going, getting close to a year of when we came down to interview you. You were our first major interview for this. Um, and you just hit us with, I think, two hours or so. And we got almost all of your interview in the film, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> in fact, as, as you know. Uh, I've just been reading through Rotten Tomatoes, and the one thing that the world agrees on is that there was too much of other people talking and not enough of me. Exactly. Uh, that's what it was. That's what I've been reading on. Now, I will admit, I created almost all of those accounts making those comments. That's perfect. Well, it is never enough. We know that it's never enough to have you on. Uh, just a few moments. We've got to have you we, on. We got a new room. name for him, Jason Cutting Room Floor Jones. Oh, ouch! Yeah. Oh, hey, Father. Yeah. Hey, Father. I didn't see a lot of you on there. I'm just <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> Father, you and I are on the cutting room floor together. By the way, Doug, it's your exactly. movie. Exactly. <laughs> Doug, you got chopped from your own movie. I'm, I'm not in it that much. I know. I know. Yeah. My my, no. my son did most of the editing on it, and I said, "Son, <laughs> cut out the best scenes you have to to make this work." And well, the three of us got cut out, I think, more than anybody else. So, um, But, you know, we had close to 20 hours of interview to boil down to about 60 minutes. And, Jason, you understand this because I know you – I mean, this is something – tell I mean, tell the audience your background. You've been involved, I mean, movie to movement. Um, you've done a lot of this. You've done documentaries, films. Just yeah, well, I've worked on over probably 100 films in one capacity or another, okay. uh, half a dozen as a producer – and this is true. And I have to say this a lot to my friends when I make films and they're not in it. You know, if I, you know, I just did a documentary, Divided Hearts of America. We interviewed over 60 people, but half of them made the film. And again, I was the producer, not the director. And I give a long rope. You, you need a vision. You know, you don't need competing visions for a film. So as a producer, I see yourself as, I see myself as kind of the frame. And that work of art is going to come through from the director. Now, tonight we've got, again, one of our, 
one of our favorite guests, one of our fan favorites. He is, uh, we got to give him some title, Father. He's, he's one yeah. of our most regular guests that we have. Yeah. Dr. Dan Schneider. Schneider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we had another title for this program, this episode. And then at the last minute, Dan says, hey, you know what? And he pulls out his, his bug out bag, his go bag. And we like to talk about Father's spiritual go bag. And that you can get at RomanCatholicGear.com, RomanCatholicGear.com. But uh, it's Dan pulled new, up his. Too. It's It's awesome. And it it is. is. It grew out of all of our talk about. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I got, I got one right go here bags. on my desk, you know, yep. and we'll be breaking all this down in future yeah. videos and such as well. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Dan. Or thank Kent for going there. A lot of great stuff in here. Very powerful stuff. But there is also that natural go bag, that natural bug out bag that we need to be thinking about. And Dan picked this up and we saw this great. This, this great title just written right there on the bag. And immediately we said, that's got to be the title of the program. That's right. Yeah. So Dan, good to have you on the show again, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Father. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so Tell us about this. No one is coming. It's up to us phrase. It's on your bag. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. By the way. I just love that. Yeah. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, another veteran, he, went, he and I, we, we share a lot of stories about spiritual warfare and, and also physical combat. And uh, he reminded me of a phrase that we used to we used to use back in the day in the military, and uh, and the phrase is "It's up to us, no one's coming." And the idea is, if you're pinned down in a firefight, and you know that someone could be coming, you're just going to sit there and try to buckle in, and eventually you're going to get you're going to get overwhelmed. As Father Ripperger says, uh, a very sobering statement in a spiritual combat: if you take a defensive posture, you're going the demon will take you to the woodshed. So. You gotta you gotta stay aggressive, just like in, in 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 boxing. You know, I was a boxer, and and if you sit in the ring and you want to play play it safe, you're gonna get you're gonna get taken to the woodshed. Yeah. So the idea is the, the senior ranking officer or the the NCO in charge, the, the sergeant in charge would look at his guys and they'd be complaining. You know what I mean? And you would always say, look, complaining is complaining is allowed. Whining is not allowed, right? <laughs> So you can complain all you want, but no whining. And they would be whining. He said, look, it's up to us. No one is coming. Put it out of your mind that someone's coming, which means you better fight with all courage. You're going to fight to the end yeah. right here today. You got to muster up what it takes to win this battle. And so I have that, that my buddy gave me that and I put it on my, my go bag. That's awesome. And, and to remind myself, nobody's coming. It's up to us. Yes. We got to get holy on our own. We got to do it on our own. Now, us as Catholic includes the mystical body. And that, yep. that's why you know, we, we, we talked about this as a topic because the us as Christians, as Catholic Christians, Saint, well, I'll quote St. Augustine, doctor of the church. He talks about the totus Christus, the whole Christ, Christ the head united with Christ the body. And, and I'm going to bring up another, another statement that we don't hear much anymore, but we got to research, we have to bring back the language of the church. And that is the totus Christus, the total Christ. The church is the church triumphant in heaven, the saints, the angels, the church suffering in purgatory, and the church militant. This comes to bear in, a spiritual, com in spiritual combat. It's up to us and no one's coming. We're going yeah. to do it through prayer, and we're, we have to tap into the resources we have. You know, I've got a cavalry, my cavalry flag over here from the 7th Cav. You, you can call in the cab and, and the cab guys will come, right? So you got you got to call in the cavalry. you got to call in the help from the mystical bodies we celebrate uh, we get beyond this ridiculous Halloween, which has become nothing but occultic witchcraft and, and dark, and now celebrate the real meaning of this season, which is all the saints. We pray for the souls, right, on the All Hallows' Eve, 
right? And all holy, you know, all, all, all the holy ones, Eve, we pray for all the souls of our, of our beloved dead. And then on all saints, we celebrate the warriors who, who succeeded in this combat and now have, uh, have taken the place, their place in heaven, intercede for us. Many times I'll be giving a, uh, you know, giving a talk at a conference and, you know, I'm the guy, I'm on Father Ripperger's team. I've got my PhD. I work with cases of possession, some of the worst that you can possibly imagine. And I'll say, all right, let me start. I'd like to start with my, one of my favorite exorcisms prayers. And, and you could see people like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And I'll just say, Hail Mary, full of grace, nice. the Lord is with thee. Right. And let me, let me give you, let me give you one more. Let's call in some help. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love. Right. Then calling in, there's a very important principle. The demons go, right. the, the angels go where they're asked. The demons go where they're not resisted. And, and the principle is this, that God always sends help from the mystical body, but we have to ask. We have, we always hear the phrase that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit goes where he's asked. He's not going to force himself upon us. The same thing with the saints and the angels. They're going to go where they're asked, but when they come, they bring their charism. Great important topic. We're yeah. all getting strong. You know, uh, weakness only invites aggression, and, and we're going to keep the devil at bay by getting stronger and as individuals, but stronger as united as a team, as a, as a fighting unit. And so thank you. Thank you so much for bringing all your expertise to us. So let's yeah. end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in us the fire of your love. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right, Dan. All right, thanks thanks so Dan. much. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Doug. <laughs>